This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. And sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Julie tells their stories to help you find hope, inspiration, and direction to show how the saints discovered and accomplished God's mission for their lives. Imagine receiving word that your enemy is almost upon you and that you don't have time to get any defenses or to get help. And this enemy is most feared. In 13th century Italy, the enemy was the Saracens and they had invaded in groups Italy and they were going through towns, villages, monasteries, convents. It didn't matter. They went through, they burned, destroyed, raped, did unspeakable tortures to people. They just were the worst kind of thugs you can ever imagine. And the person who received this this news was Claire of Assisi. She was the superior of her convent and there was no time to get any help or to really prepare in any substantial way that, that would do anything. So I'll give you a little backstory to fill in as we get to this point in history. So Claire, when she was a young woman, still living in her father's house and unmarried, she heard St. Francis of Assisi preaching. He had begun gathering followers and they were building a community. And this message of radical poverty, radical dependence on the Lord and a a deep, deep prayer and surrender. This appealed to her. It just got her in the heart. And so she did make arrangements to visit with him and learn more about it. Her father did not approve of this. Not many approved of Francis in that time, but he certainly didn't. He had plans for her life and he didn't want her to be attracted to that sort of thing, but she was. And she wanted to become a Franciscan. Of course, there weren't any women Franciscans yet, but she would end up being the first. So she has to escape and sneak out. And how does she do this? She passes through the door of the dead and no one's expecting her to use that door. And the reason being is that this particular doorway was kept locked and it was only used to, to take people out of the home in a, in a casket when they had died. And so it was something that wasn't used and, and, and then not thought of because have you ever seen a piece of furniture or something in your house and you kind of forget it's there? It was like that, but she took this door to escape in the middle of the night. And it was very symbolic because it was like her old life was dead to her. She died to that life. She's given her whole life to Jesus Christ. And some friars met her and they, they, they took her to Francis. And then Francis receives or hears and witnesses her vows. 
and he cuts off her blonde hair, beautiful blonde hair, and she takes a, a rough tunic and puts that on, and then they take her to a Benedictine convent where the uh, abbess receives her and will hold her there because the Franciscans, they don't, they don't have any women just yet and there's no, place, there's no place for her to go safely. While she's at this Benedictine monastery, her father finds out that she's left and where she's at. And he comes with men and they storm the monastery and they go find her. And there's that tussle. Anyway, her veil comes free. And when it comes off, it exposes her shorn head that all her beautiful blonde hair is gone. And her father is just shocked. Like his, in his eyes, his, his daughter is disfigured. She's, she's ugly now. And of course, not able to marry her off anymore with this hair cut off, at least until it grows back. And that'll take a long time. So he's just dumbfounded. And she declares to him that she will have no other groom, no other spouse than Jesus Christ. And that the more he persists, the stronger will be her resolve. And he just believes her and he leaves. So that's how she's able to break free of her father who had plans for her marriage. And she had this life going. She was somewhat involved in nobility. She had good lineage. She had a good life by those standards prepared for her. Even if her father chose her husband, she had some, you know, she would have a position of influence. She walked away from it because she wanted to radically follow Jesus and surrender all to him. Well, as it goes, others are attracted. Other women are attracted because of Claire and Francis and his friars. They, they create a, a, a place for them, a modest place for them to live and have a convent and it grows and it spreads. And by the time that the Saracens are coming to her convent, there were other convents all over Italy with poor Claire's in them and even France and Germany. And she had been made the superior 25 years earlier. At this time in history, when the Saracens are on their way, she's 47 years old. At 22, she was given the rule uh, from Francis, the Franciscan rule of life, and then and given the authority as the superior. She's not been well. She hasn't been well a lot of her life. She's bedridden most of the time. So this news comes. And her spiritual daughters in the convent there with her, they help her get out of bed. And what does she do? She goes to Jesus in the Eucharist. She goes to where he's housed in a tabernacle. And she prays to him. And this is what she says. Does it please thee, O God, to deliver into the hands of these beasts the defenseless children whom I have nourished with thy love? I beseech thee, good Lord, protect these whom now I am not able to protect. And then she received her answer. And Jesus said to her, I will have them always in my care. So with that word from the Lord, 
she gathers her spiritual daughters around her and they they're in the church and they prostrate themselves in front of our Lord in the Eucharist and they wait for the Saracens. You know, Jesus said to St. Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. And that total surrender, his power is made perfect. And Jesus also said to us, apart from me, you can do nothing. Not just a little bit, not just a few things. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There is real power in submitting and surrendering to Jesus everything. We have a hard time with that concept. I've noticed in human nature that when something's not such a big deal, not so weighty, we take control and we want to manage and we want to do this and that and everything else. We want to see it through and you know, manipulate it. But when something's pretty weighty and we're made aware that we really don't have any control, that's when we'll surrender to our Lord. Now that wasn't the case for Claire. She had surrendered everything. I mean, her life and the other poor Claire's, their lives are evidence of their complete surrender. So this was something that they were used to. But so many of us, myself included, when something is not so weighty, I feel like I need to manage it and take care of it. But it's the big things when I know there's not a darn thing I can do. That seems to make it easier to surrender. I don't know what that's all about, but I just think that it would be good for us if we could surrender to begin with. So Claire and her spiritual daughters are prostrate on the floor of the, of the church and they're adoring Jesus. He's in the tabernacle. This idea that we have um, a monstrance, you often see pictures of Claire holding a monstrance over the Saracens, you know, driving them away. It's not exactly how it happened. Monstrances weren't in practice then. I don't even know if they were like created. They weren't a thing that was used. But Jesus in the tabernacle was acknowledged and you didn't have to see him to know he was there and that he's real present body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so they were prostrate before the tabernacle, which contained the Eucharist. And the Saracens bust in. And usually there's a lot of reaction when they arrive and they're used to that. Like people running, people trying to fight, people screaming, just, there's just a lot going on. Nothing happened. These women, their focus is completely in adoration of Jesus. They don't even react to the Saracens, which might've hurt their pride just a little bit, but it, and it might've befuddled them a little bit. But what's so interesting is that they leave and they not only leave, they run. I'm pretty sure there was something else going on there that we just don't know about. And it happens that way in life with us too. There's a lot we don't know about where our angels, heavenly beings are interceding and redirecting and helping. And we're just, <laughs> we're just oblivious. We're just trusting children of God, hopefully. St. Clair, pray for us. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with author and speaker, Julie Anderko. For more about Julie, visit her website at catholicfinishstrong.com.
and follow her YouTube channel, Catholic Saints on Mission. You can find previous episodes of Your Next Mission from God on the free Hail Mary Media app or your favorite podcast platform. Your Next Mission from God is produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.